0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Sided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at lockdownpackers.com. It is Monday, and the Packers begin their first mandatory team activities this week with minicamp. Those are June 12th through the 14th. So that's starting tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. But as it comes out on Monday, it will start tomorrow. Uh, as I mentioned last week, HaHa ha Clinton Dix will be there. And essentially, the team will be whole for the first time this offseason and the first time as we look at 2018 as this new year. And I think it's it's easy to think that rookie camp, and even OTAs are simply an extension of the offseason. If you think about the NFL schedule as multiple parts rather than just in-season and the off season, and that, and that tends to be the way that I think about them. The thing that I'm looking at first and foremost is the season, obviously. And then you have the offseason. But you have free agency, which is the first part of the offseason. So that's its own little bubble. Then you have the draft, and that's its own little bubble. And then I, I sort of think of OTAs and training camp together, but really they're they're two separate pieces because we get data points. We We learn things coming out of rookie camp. Who looks comfortable? Who's loud? Who's making plays? Who's got swagger? All those things. We're getting early signs of those things. And then... Once everyone comes together, the veterans come together, the intensity ratchets up a little bit in mini camp. And then once we get to training camp in July, then things will really start to heat up. That's when the pads come out because they aren't allowed to hit. In fact, the collective bargaining agreement specifically restricts bump and run press coverage. So, you can't even jam guys at the line in minicamp, which is what something Green Bay wants to do. And so, my, my thought today is, well, well, then what can you learn? And the answer is, actually, you can learn quite a bit from these minicamps, at least in terms of the progress of this team. I don't think, let's start with something you can't learn. The depth chart is not final by any means. So, Don't look too much into who's getting first-team running back snaps. I wouldn't look that much into who is getting the cornerback rotation snaps or who is playing linebacker, whether it's Oren Burks or Jake Ryan or Josh Jones. I wouldn't look too much into who's getting receiver snaps. I mean, there was a guy whose name I literally don't even remember, who is getting receiver snaps ahead of the rookies at OTAs simply because those rookies are rookies? And so, what we need to be looking for is not the rotations, but the competency. I don't wanna see miscommunication. I don't wanna see route problems. I don't wanna see, you know, Jamon Moore being reamed out by a coach. These receivers are gonna have to play a role in this offense. And what we need to know is that they're up to speed. We need to know they're absorbing the offense quickly and that they can be a part of this team at some point. The Packers have still been linked to Des Bryant. I I don't see that happening, but the closer we get to training camp, if these guys don't look competent if they don't look like they're going to absorb the offense then maybe green bay does need to dip into the free agent receiver market and find someone that they can trust i'm not necessarily saying that player is des bryant that it should be or could be but they need to they they can learn from these days these mini camp days where they stand with these players cuz this is all an evaluation tool what the roster needs, what it looks like. They're going to they're going to continue to tweak scheme and tweak approach as we move forward here as we see the evolution of this roster and these players. Clay Matthews continues to believe that, that the Packers are poised to make a move. Mike McCarthy said that that the front office sees the depth of the current available players and believes that that the team will go out and sign someone or at least wants to be aggressive with some of the guys that are still out there. So like I said, this is a continual process. And if the coaches are using it as an evaluation tool and not just a teaching tool to evaluate the roster, then we have to be able to say, yes, there's there is value here, but how much and to what extent should we be valuing it? And where particularly does it matter? The offensive line, you cannot learn anything about the offensive line in practices where guys aren't hitting. You can't. I mean, I think for obvious reasons, you just can't. And I think defensive line is pretty similar. Now, I think you can see the twitch of an edge player or the intelligence of recognition and getting to the ball, that stuff you can see. But players that that specifically require physical tools that you cannot see in in shorts, it's it's tough. It, it is not a it is it is more about evaluating instincts, understanding, and the ability to absorb information, and then put that information into practice than it is anything else. And so, the receivers need to be able to gain the trust of Aaron Rodgers because if they don't. If he doesn't trust them, then McCarthy can't play them. Because if Rodgers won't even look at them, won't even think about throwing them the ball, then they're just useless on the field. And yes, they could be out there as decoys, but McCarthy, McCarthy doesn't build an offense that way. He's built this offense so that everyone needs to go out there and run their routes to win. Because they could get the ball. Guys, when you're in the red zone, Are you having a problem getting it all the way across the pylon? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. The answer is at BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night full stomach since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill you take with water so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises blue chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no worrying about if your neighbors are going to see what you're doing or what you're getting no need to be embarrassed no in-person doctor visits no waiting in line at the pharmacy and best of all no awkwardness it's made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than your pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, and you get your first shipment free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Remember, that's BlueChew.com and use the promo code On to try it free.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: David Harrison here the locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys but when I eat pizza I eat it for the toppings Good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
0: Minicamp is also going to be the best place yet to evaluate these corners. Now, I know they can't play press, and so that's going to that's gonna be different from the way that they're going to actually play when the pads come on and, and you can be more physical. But that's an interesting dynamic to me because for someone like Josh Jackson, who doesn't have great long speed, you put him in a practice where he can't use his hands, where he's or at least he, he can use them, but he, he can't use them the same way that he could in a game. And that sort of length and physical play is what's going to help him mitigate those problems with his speed in the same way that they do for other longer cornerbacks without that top-end speed. That's why the Richard Sherman comparison has always been out there with Jackson. How does he fare? Is he still holding up even when he can't get after guys at the line of scrimmage? Because if he can, then that says something about his ability to play in the league. If his, his best skills are his instincts and his length and, and disruptive ability at the line— and then you put him in a situation where he can only use one of those talents just by, by virtue of the rules, and he still holds up his end, then that speaks to his ability to play in the league. Now, it doesn't confirm anything. It doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't prove anything. But when you're going to take away someone's best skill in the league and they can still do the thing, Then that speaks to a talent level and an ability that should make the Packers feel confident about his performance once the lights come on and he's out there trying to play. This is an adjustment level for him, for Jair Alexander. It's going to be an adjustment for Kevin King, who's going to back, he's back and he's going to have two healthy shoulders very soon. He was a limited participant in OTAs. But the the reviews were very high from King. Devon House spoke glowingly about him and, and said, look, he has the ability to be a number one corner in this league. I think Green Bay has at least three players currently on its roster who have the talent to claim that they can be number one corners. The two rookies and King. Those guys are absolutely talented enough. Absolutely talented enough. And... I do expect Jair Alexander to get those first snaps in the slot, but I think I think they're gonna put Jackson out there and put him in the slot and say, let's see what you got. And I think there's gonna be times when when King is playing on the boundary and Josh Jackson is opposite him and they put Tramon Williams in the slot. What this does is gives them tremendous versatility. And I wanna see if another step forward now, and as the intensity level raises a little bit, the stakes are raised. And now you're going to have all the guys on defense with HaHa Clinton-Dix back. And you'd expect Devontae Adams to at least get a little more work in these mini camps. So they're going to go up against a higher caliber level of player in drills, in teamwork, in all of the phases. Now let's see them sink or swim. We saw Jair Alexander make a play in OTAs. the, The pick on the back shoulder throw. Still, I think the highlight of camp for anybody. If he comes out in minicamp and he's still making plays, that is a great sign. Now, again, it is not a guarantee he's going to be good. It's just not. So uh, that I don't want anyone to get ahead of themselves. Just calibrate your expectations here. This is a checkpoint. It's a touchstone for these players are they in the right positions to succeed moving forward as i have said for the last year and and longer than that for for those of you who know me beyond this podcast and have followed me on twitter etc but being a rookie corner is really hard being a rookie is hard and then being a rookie corner is even harder and so i was i was amused when there was the article that that came out in espn about the Packers missing on all of these guys, the evaluation, and, oh, you know, they missed on all these corners, including Kevin King. And I'm going, what? A guy who who is a rookie? Who? What? Rookie corners are bad. And then you add in the fact that he was a rookie playing in a disgraceful defensive scheme that did not suit his talents. And then you add in that he was a rookie corner playing in a system that did not suit his talents with one freaking arm. I mean, what are we doing here? It's ridiculous. Do not evaluate a player based on their rookie season. Just don't. It takes at least three years to determine how good a player can be. And so we don't don't need to Write the final book on Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson in minicamp. We're not going to do that in June. But what we want to see is some progress, and we want to see flashes. That is all we need right now, flashes. You don't need Jair Alexander to go out there and look like Marshawn Lattimore. Now, that would be great if you're the Packers, if he did that, but it's not necessary. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the NFL with Locked On NFL. And as the NBA draft approaches, as free agency approaches in the NBA, stay up to date on everything going on with Locked On NBA. This episode is brought to you by Shell.
2: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
0: I want to finish today by talking about something that I wrote last week, and that is... A question of just how good this defense needs to be. How how much better do they need to get? Because if you look at the teams that were successful last year in the NFC, in a loaded conference, every division winner was top 10 in offense and defense by DVOA. Every division winner. The NFC was much stronger than the AFC last year and looks to be even better this year. And so I simply asked the question, can the Packers rely on just Aaron Rodgers to compete for a title? And the answer is no. Now, the caveat is Rodgers goes full 2011 Rodgers and has this incredible virtuoso season. That's that's on the table for sure. But the margin for error is so much less. And you look at a team like the Eagles that that were ahead of Green Bay last year, they got better. The Vikings get better. The Rams get better. The Saints probably get better. The Falcons, I don't know how much better they got, but they're probably a little bit better. The Panthers are better. Now, better relative to last year, not better than Green Bay necessarily. But so, when you look at the Packers and what they were defensively last year, they were 20th overall in efficiency in DVOA. 20th. Now, that is, in some ways, impressive given the fact that their offense for most of the year was run by Brett Hundley, so they're being put in uh, disadvantageous positions, but I have said all along that I think Green Bay goes from 20th to probably league average just with a coaching change, just with Mike Patton. They could they could move up four, five, six spots and be league average to a little bit above in that 14 to 16 range. Then you add in the changes that they made personnel-wise. You bring in Tremont Williams, you bring in Muhammad Wilkerson, and then you bring in these rookie corners, you get Kevin King healthy, This defense can be better, and I think should be better. But I think the question is, how much better do they need to be with Rodgers? And I think the answer is, if you look at what they were in 2014, and that that was a pretty good conference in 2014. The Seahawks were very good that year. The Cowboys were very good that year. The Packers were really good. Now, I think it's a deeper conference now. There's more talent at the top. And the Packers had the number one offense in the league that year. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. They had great balance with Eddie Lacy, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. The defense was 16th. Right on average. So you got a middle of the pack defense and the best offense in football. So if Green Bay, let's say they're the third or fourth offense in the league, they can be the best. They can be the number one offense in the league for sure. But the Patriots still exist. And playing a, a terrible division, the Saints are still, uh, you know, the Saints are still going to have a very good offense. The Chargers, I think, are going to have a very good offense. The Eagles are going to have an awesome offense. So let's just get, let's just say, for sake of argument, that they're something like third. How good does the defense have to be? I think the defense has to be a top twelve to fifteen unit for them to be. Uh, a division title winner and a and a legitimate playoff team. Now I think with a healthy Rodgers last year Green Bay can could have gone to Los Angeles and beat the Rams. I, I think that I think that's true. And I think they probably would have beaten the Vikings at least once in the regular season. Remember, they were they were a bad defensive performance and a and an unhealthy Rodgers. If healthy Rodgers plays the Panthers, I still think they win that game. And they almost had, I mean, they were driving to tie the game at the end, even with a hurt Rodgers uh, with a team that didn't have Devontae Adams because of that cheap shot Thomas Davis hit. I mean, this team scrapped and fought last year to win games without Aaron Rodgers. I just, I don't think that can be overstated. I, I, I bring it up a lot because I try to remind fans who are very doom and gloom that this team won seven games and three of them came with Brett Huntley. Now, I know it was against the Browns the Buccaneers, but they st- the Bears, but they still won those games. So you, you can't say, oh, they had inferior talent to those teams or they have talent comparable to those teams. They beat those teams. This is not a team bereft of talent. They have a defensive coach that's finally going to put their defensive players in a position to succeed. They've got better defensive talent. I think this is the deepest defensive group they've had in a long time. It's not the most experienced, but in terms of talent, they have talent and depth at different, at every, basically every position except safety. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign Eric Reed. Wouldn't be surprised at all. But so this defense has to improve. If they're 20th again, unless they're first in offense and number one with a bullet, they might not even win the division, guys, because the Vikings are really, really good. I think this is the best division rival that the Packers have had. The best team that they've had in their division in the Aaron Rodgers era. I think this team has the potential to be better than that that Bears team that won the division in 2010 when, when Green Bay won the Super Bowl. I didn't trust that Bears team. I watched them lay down for Green Bay in Week 17. I was there for that. This Vikings team is better than that. They're scarier than that offensively. I think they have a better coach. I think they have more talent on defense. So this Green Bay team, they need to be that 2014 team. They need to have the best offense in the league or something close to it. And they need to have an average or a little bit above average defense. Can this team be a a top 10 defense? Uh, The talent is there. If they get... Let's say they get, I don't think these rookies, no one needs to be Marshawn Lattimore, who is, you know, obviously the defensive player of the year for rookies. But if they get Tredavious White, that's really good. He was really good last year as a rookie. And if Kevin King takes a little bit of a step forward with his health, and he's more assignment sure, and this scheme, which fits him, allows him to play better, I think that's the key. Now the problem for Green Bay was the situational defense. I think the play caller, the guy who is running the defense had a big a big role to play last year in those failings, and I think they'll be better there this year. They could have been a much better than 20th defense last year if they weren't the worst situational defense in football, which is what they were. So there are a lot of questions and and these all dovetail together, right? If we see the corners are making plays, these rookies If they are are hitting their touchstones, then we can have more confidence that this defense can improve. Now, we should expect the defense to improve simply by virtue of their coach, but the players still need to come through and make plays. All right. We have a Facebook group. I'm excited to share this. I started it last week. I rolled it out. All All of the podcasts are going to be there, but I want it to be a place for discussion among Packer fans. So please go there on the podcasts comment be a part of the community and let's have conversations let's engage with one another hopefully no russian bots will show up but but go and be a part of the community i I want this to be a community i want the show to feel like a community and so that's why i want to do a a questions podcast we're going to do that later in the week I've already I already have some questions please send me those questions you can post those questions on Facebook you can send them to me at locked on packers or at peter underscore bukowski that's on twitter acme packing company with all of the latest from minicamp this week fansided.com Ditto Pro Football Weekly it's all there for you so you can stay locked on